0: Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro Podcast. I'm Shauna Samelong. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so that they can be more effective in their jobs. Today, I'm excited to have Amy Labrie from F5 join us. Amy, I would love for you to introduce yourself, your background, and your organization to our audience.
1: Hi, Shauna. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. So like you mentioned, I am a Sales Enablement Specialist supporting a global team of Sales Specialists, which is kind of word on word, but here at F5. And what we specialize at F5 is application delivery, networking, application availability and performance, multi-cloud management, application security, network security, access and authorization, and online fraud prevention. And I know that sounds like a lot, so sometimes it's easier for me to just think of it as code to customer application support. And so in my role, I support a team of specialists that focus on application security and preventing fraud for the end user. So while enablement isn't necessarily new to the F5 organization or the company, I should say, the organization that I support was acquired almost two years ago, and we didn't have anybody in that role here at F5. So I was hired back in February of 2021 to really help be that person, that point of contact for the sales team. And since I've been on the team, I've helped them create and deploy an onboarding program for our new hires. I curate these biweekly global sales talks that just cover a variety of topics you know, in the enablement field, anything from products to uh, changes in in legal. And in addition, I'm also working on creating a SME or a subject matter expert program, just to really help build confidence and skills in some of our theaters across the globe, um, giving them access to best practices, maybe additional folks to talk to in the company to give them that edge to better their pitch and customer engagements. And so for me, my background, like sales enablement is newer to me as a role, but I do come from sales. Um, I started in telecommunications as a frontline sales rep and worked my way up through management in the store and then converted over to the corporate side of the house and really into training specifically. And so... I went from being a trainer to managing a team of trainers across multiple markets. I guess you could say about me is I have a true passion for helping people learn. And for me, I look at the light bulb or those aha moments as my way of gauging my own engagement with any group that I'm working with.
0: Well, Amy, we're really excited to have you here to engage with our audience. One of the things that caught my eye was on LinkedIn. You actually contributed a LinkedIn post and in it you were really talking about culture and in particular the importance of authenticity in work environments. I'd love to understand what is the impact from your perspective on customer conversations when your sales reps are able to kind of lead with authenticity?
1: a great question. So authenticity is so important to me. And you really, you have to start by being authentic, right? So dropping that poker face and just you know, being willing to have candid and transparent conversations with your buyers, because that's what they expect. And our salespeople, the goal really should be to to build a mutually beneficial partnership with the customers and becoming more transparent as a salesperson, while it's uncomfortable at first, especially, you know, if we're taught to keep our cards close, right? Like we don't want to show our hand, but really we have so much to gain from being transparent and authentic. You know, I'm, I'm kind of one of those people that in the discomfort is where we learn is where we grow. And so the authenticity is really your sales superpower, right? So being transparent helps to connect on a deeper level. It's It helps to lead to favorable outcomes for everyone. So not only are you looking at solutions for your customers' problems, but you're also helping to drive revenue for your company. So what does that look like then? Like, you know, to be authentic, what does that truly mean? And so I believe it's, it's subjective. It's a crucial element for building trust in any relationship. And, you know, trustworthiness helps determine what you're willing, or what the customer, I should say, is willing to share, right? How honestly they're willing to talk about their concerns and then how willing they are to take that leap of faith in us or the company that they're you know, looking to buy from. You know, and I think about that, especially if a solution is new to their space, right? You know, how do you sell that authentically? Well, I think it starts with acknowledging some of your own limitations. You know, if you're working with someone who has experience in that field, it's important to ask open-ended questions to understand where the customer currently is at. You don't assume that you know their business better than they do, and you really have to acknowledge them as the domain expert on the topic. And I think that by continuing to ask questions about how they envision the project, you know, what do they see? So really it's about level setting to just drive better solutions than to pretend that you have the answers. I'm a big believer of it's okay to admit when you do not have all the answers. I think that there is more appreciativeness in that. I think it's also the thus then very important that we follow up, right? That if it's okay to not have the answers, but it's not okay not to go find the answers and let them know that. I just think that being like that and being authentic and and just super transparent, it just makes us look human incredible, right? Like we're we're creating that relationship of, you know, it's okay not to know everything. Let's go figure out how to you know, find those answers and get back to your person.
0: Absolutely. Now, another point that you made in, in that same post was that in order for employees to embrace authenticity, it's important to have an environment that really fosters it. So I, I'd love to get your best practices or some of your key strategies for promoting authenticity within the workplace.
1: Yeah, it really starts at the top down, Shauna. I think that, you know, having leaders within an organization who are also transparent and authentic you know we we see that as the example being set so teams have to be willing to be honest and they have to be open about what works and doesn't work you know they have to understand the strategy while we all probably kind of roll our eyes when our employee satisfaction surveys come out, they're super important though, right? They're super important in the fact that we have to be honest in these so that our leaders can understand what's broken and what's not working. And I'm thankful that I have a company that looks at those scores and really, you know, took that as an opportunity as something to fix. You know, for example, it was voices not being heard. And so how do we change that? How do we, how do we make sure that, everybody's being heard in the space. And so if we don't share those things and let them know what's not working, we're never going to get better. And we have to learn from our mistakes. Just like we celebrate our wins, we have to learn from, from the things that didn't work. I think with a culture of transparency, there's no longer the pressure to flub through the product gaps, right? Or hide from the misses. And ideally, we want our sales reps to acknowledge their strengths along with their weaknesses, which I think can actually get you to the outcome faster. The second part of that is letting everyone bring their whole selves to work. And there's been talk about it amongst the industries of just like, what does that actually mean? It's one thing to say, to let your folks bring their full selves, but are you are you actually fostering that environment? And I think it starts, again, we talk about leadership, so hiring practices. Are your teams diverse? And, and I'm not just talking about race. It's so much bigger than that. You know, we look at gender, race, religion, sexuality, neurodiversity. It's a new group of people that I haven't necessarily seen focus on from an industry standpoint of including and you just have to create this environment where everybody is welcome because really everyone has something to bring to the table and when you have a leader at the front of the organization who's a champion for this and helps to set the tone to make it happen that's where you start to see the shift in culture and and it's also important that companies have ergs or eig's employee resource groups the, while they're important, they need to be active in providing content that helps enable the company to be more inclusive. And, you know, as you can see, enablement isn't just in sales, right? There's, there's the ability to enable companies in all different ways.
0: I I couldn't agree more. Now, I want to go back because you did start, though, with the importance of, you know, having it come from the top and kind of, you know, what's the correlation between a positive work environment and leadership's responsibilities? And you made a comment that I came across around the difference between kind of armored leadership and daring leadership. And I'd love for those in the audience, maybe less familiar, what does daring leadership mean to you? And and how can this leadership style drive business success for sales enablement leaders?
1: Ah, uh, Brene Brown, huge fan of Brene Brown. And that is where the daring leadership comes from. And so I was introduced to this concept a few years back when I read Dare to Lead. And it's really about being courageous and setting the example or leading by example. You know, in an armored stance, you're leading by fear. You're never really giving yourself a chance to learn more or really lean in when things get tough, right? You're used to using shame or blame to manage others instead of accountability and empathy. As a daring leader, I allow my vulnerability to come through. I admit when I'm not sure about something and i'm a learner right i want to i I don't want to be the know-it-all. I want to be constantly learning. And that even means learning from your reports. It's your peers. You know, I think that there's a lot that comes from upward coaching. And I think that we we need to take a minute to step back and, and look at that um, when we're leaders and listening to the people that we lead because we can learn so much. And I also think it's about making sure that you're living your values rather than just professing them and being able to rely on trust and be the first to trust. And finally, you know, standing up when things get uncomfortable. I think that that's something that's super important, and especially, you know, as a woman as well, to to find your voice and use your voice in those situations when it might be uncomfortable. And so in the enablement field, we have folks coming to us to find answers or solutions to make them better at their jobs. And using daring leadership just helps to drive business success by creating a culture that helps create accountability, uses empathy, it creates a learner's mindset and really learning to embrace change, right? As we know, COVID-19 put us into a tailspin of how this new work environment works. For sales folks, you know, they went from doing in-person face-to-face training or interactions to now they're having to do things virtually. So we have to be able to embrace those changes and and just know that we need to be agile and constantly changing. And that's where I said it all starts by leading by example, right? So as a leader... If you're willing to put yourself out there, be a little daring, know that it might not work the way that you want it to, but be okay with that and show your team that you're okay with that. And you take those moments and learn from them instead of, you know, blaming or shaming someone who might have messed up for the team.
0: I love that advice. And I also love that book as well. One of the challenges, I think, to creating a healthy workplace culture and and kind of those authentic relationships that we were talking about just a moment ago, really can be ego. And I think you've said previously that egos crash harder than character. So from your experience, what are some best practices that sales enablement can utilize to help reps, you know, maybe overcome that ego that they might have and approach skill development with a little bit more humility.
1: Oh, yes, the ego. So in the sales world, ego can be front and center and doesn't always mean it's a bad thing right ego is is just kind of your your like drive and how driven you are as we know in sales i mean we're in constant competition to close deals who's going to get the bigger the bigger deal who's going to get the most add-ons so healthy doses of ego can help folks stay resilient when things go wrong and if deployed properly that they can help us grow i've seen account managers who have that know-it-all attitude and honestly they have the numbers to to back it up However, that doesn't mean that they're giving their customers that best experience, right? They're not creating relationships to grow the to to grow with them. They you know, the the chances of their customer coming back to renew or to upsell could be very, you know, could be hard. So, I'm all about that customer experience first and foremost. I think that's really what's led me through my entire career is is really, are we creating the best experience. And if you're not creating a, um, a relationship with your customer and you can understand them from that point of empathy that I spoke about earlier, eventually the relationship will not withstand. So you truly have to deliver the value before selling the product and sales folks, They need to really follow a few true norths to help guide their efforts. Uh, The first of those being that they need to be able to articulate the business's impact that the product will drive. Being able to add value context around the content that already exists. This will help uncover the business impact that their solution will deliver. Number two, they need to acknowledge the product's strengths and gaps Remember, the information's out there, right? Anybody can go onto Google or, you know, they can search about your product. So the goal should be to build trust and credibility by being authentic and driving toward a mutually beneficial goal educate your buyer about the broader market in their terms. You have to know more than just your product, right? You have to know what the competition is. You have to be able to speak to the trends out there. And you want to make these conversations relevant and meaningful. A great salesperson helps the buyer understand the potential benefits of implementing a solution that resonates with them.
0: Absolutely. And I think you've touched on this a a little bit already, but I want to double click into, you know, when engaging with customers, how can sales enablement also help reps remove ego from kind of that sales process? And really, you know, I know this is front and center for you, but how can that have a positive impact on the customer experience? Uh,
1: You know, if I'm being honest, it all goes back to training. And I had a manager tell me or a leader tell me that at one point that, you know, really it all starts with training. When the the sales reps can understand the personas they're engaging with, I feel that there is a more solid relationship that can be built. So for example, we have a program that we started called Executive Conversations, and what this does is, each quarter, we invite a C-suite executive from our own organization to come in and sit with us and talk with a sales leader and have a conversation about, you know, things like what will get them the meeting, who has the money, who, you know, who controls the purse strings, what are the what are the key words that you want to say, you know, just really hearing it from that that persona themselves, what's important to them, and I think it's really important to understand the personas, and that and that and that helps guide future conversations, right? So ultimately, if a salesperson can lead with authenticity and transparency, I think the ego subsides a little bit. It's okay to embrace the weaknesses the same way we celebrate strengths. I mentioned that earlier. It's really, I mean, there's power in both, and it's important to be authentic in a way that one sells. Great partnerships are built on trust, first and foremost.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Amy, thank you so much. I I learned so much during this podcast and I know our audience did too. So I appreciate you taking the time.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Shauna. And I look forward to future conversations.